What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Dre, with another Against the Grain podcast, where we elevate your mind, align your purpose, and maximize your potential. So sit back and relax, and tune in to another episode. Yeah! It's ATG. We back with another episode of Against the Grain. We got Dre, Will, Nick. Of course, your boy, Jay Malik, Bees, whatever you want to call me. I'm not really Beasy. I'm not really Jay Malik. I'm not really anybody. <laughs> they call me CEO, Nick. Call me CEO, Nick. Man. Yeah, uh, we, we back here, man. What's, what's up? What's up? What's up? How y'all quarantine going? I ask this question every time. Like, I don't know how it's going. Same thing. I mean, you know yeah, what, though? Man. Surprisingly, you know, certain states is opening up. So my question is, you know, are y'all going outside? You know what I'm saying? When y'all stay open up, when y'all city county open up, when y'all well, BZ, you don't go outside. Yeah, I don't even go outside. So we we gonna exclude you. <laughs> Dre will y'all need y'all going outside? It's gonna be very hard for me not to hit the gym. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a very tough difficult. One. That's a lot of germs. That's, that's, that's my only thing that can pull me in. Like for, for, I don't really care about everything else. It's kind of opening up with the restaurants all day. I'm definitely getting a choppy chop. You know what I'm saying? Your boy birthday next week. Just letting y'all know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Are we gonna talk about you, boy? All right, cool, 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 cool. So, uh, y'all can shut the fuck. All right, so yeah, you know, um, so getting a chop, they probably you know hit these weights, man. But other than that, I probably post it. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool. Will, what you want? You definitely outside. Probably doing the same thing. Hey, uh, I, I barely go anywhere as it is. That boy going to the booty house, strip <laughs> club. I go anywhere. Straight to the barbershop. Uh, yeah, y'all probably cutting out the uh, cutting out the crib, don't you? Damn, what is this man? What's Damn. up? Damn, bro. Damn, what's up, bro? I ain't saying who he was, bro. Nick out here with the feet. Oh, man. <laughs> you can't wait for that little tidbit out. I, I know yeah. somebody who couldn't join quarantine. Hey, it was a report in California that said a lot of the new cases of uh, coronavirus was coming from nail salons. How fucking racist is that? Yeah. How do you even determine that? Right, that's I don't what I'm saying. I'm not sure, but bro, these I mean, reports are just all like all over the place, bro. Like, I don't know. There's reports of everything. Like, for a country that has inadequate testing on coronavirus, we sure have a lot of new information on where it's coming from, <laughs> bro. <laughs> oh man, these are facts. But I'm sleep, man. Facts. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into today's topic, man. I know Nick wanted to kick this one off. We're talking about finances and, and and the and the value of the black man in particular when it comes to finances. I think I think more so that the black man uh, is only valued or his only value in a relationship is his finances. So if a black man don't have his finances. And I'm not talking about in order. I'm just talking about money, period. If a black man is not making money, then therefore the black man is not going to be valued in his household or in his relationship. How do y'all feel about that? Hot take. Very hot take. Very hot take. Yeah. Because his finances, it it determines his worth. Nah. I think you're speaking in absolute terms. I don't think anything is absolute. You can have a general consensus about that, but I don't even think the general consensus is accurate because I know many sisters who work with brothers who have not been there financially 
or been yep. asked, or I know, and I know sisters who carry, you know, the financial load and the relationship or to sustain the relationship. So uh, I think it's too macro to kind of put that in a bubble. I can see what you're saying as far as like, I think any man um, is, is looked at to be the provider in the relationship and provider in you know, this society's terms is usually, you know, deemed with, you know, financial or financially providing first. But we see in our community, especially with our sisters that they are flexible depending on the person and the relationship. It's not solely dependent on finances, in my opinion. But I'll, I'll leave it up to the panel. I'm gonna throw a caveat in there. Cause I think, I think the key word he said too is value. So I think the relationship could exist and maybe the perception of that person, which, which, which the, I will pose the question, well, if, if that's true, is that not fair? Like, is it, is it not fair to have that judgment if you think, like, I'm carrying, I'm, I'm carrying this person, you know what I mean? So, you can, can you help, can you not help but, like, if your partner was, like, oh, like, not doing anything, could you look at her the same way? Like, I don't know. But I think not doing anything and not being equally yoked financially is two different things. Like, not doing anything is, you know, someone that's, you know, unemployed or, you know, bum. It just depends on his situation, circumstances, and how do you get there. But like you said, the key word was value. So the bigger the bank account, the more that individual is valued in the relationship or, or the more tolerant that particular woman would be of that man and maybe some of the BS that comes along with him. Fair. Fair. So that completely shifts the whole, I guess, situation. In which case, I would agree with you. I think the more financial stability that you have to your name, especially being a black man, given that it's such a rarity, unfortunately, uh, in most communities that we've seen and kind of grew up in and kind of been around, that being financially affluent, wealthy, isn't really a commonality in the households and the people that we've interacted with. So those who maybe have those privileges or afforded more flexibility in the relationship simply because they are financially sufficient and even affluent and thus will have, you know, more flexibility as far as picking a partner. And a woman probably will, you know, and we and we know women who said that, you know, even if they're the most in love and they've ever been they want I mean they had been in their life, they still needed the finances to be in order. And they're willing to sac- sacrifice love in order for money, basically. If a, brother, if a brother, you know, has the money, they're like, I don't really care too much if we, like, manly in love. If you taking care of everything, I'm good. So, and I, know, I know several sisters like that who said things of that nature. So, it does change everything. I, I'll give you that. And there we go. Will, what you think? Will? Um, I feel like you can find cases for either side of it, but I feel like the majority, I would say, you definitely afforded uh, some leniency as far as um, things you're able to get away with when you are um, financially um, stable. Um, it, it's what you do is a lot more acceptable because in in their mind, it's like okay, if I do leave would I be able to find someone at this level or higher or would I be taking a step down? 
from this person. And in our community, says it is to say, you're probably not gonna find somebody as readily available at that level. That's facts. And I, I mean, feel like we disregard some of the other innate qualities for a healthy relationship. Like money is like on a whole different scale. Like it's like an eighty percent tier. Every other you know factor that you may bring the relationship falls within that twenty. But like if your money right, like that's like the the crux of a strong, healthy relationship for most people, unfortunately, because oftentimes you bringing a brother around, or you know you meeting the family, they can be like, oh, okay, so what do you do? <laughs> I'm a like, oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Exactly. Yeah. Everything you else you keep him, girl. Good. You got you a exactly. good one. Exactly. You ain't got to say nothing else other than I'm a doctor. You could be a terrible person, pushing old ladies down steps, all of that. Hey, you're a doctor. You can fix them up. It's, it's pretty good, though. <laughs> exactly. think that's, yeah, I think that's a natural thing as far as, like, you know, humans want to survive and procreate, basically. So you think that's innate just saying, like, okay, I want... I mean, y'all can even think about it. Like, we had, Nick, you got a daughter, like, which you, you, I'm pretty sure you lean towards when your daughter gets older that she will be with somebody who can take care of her. And, and you know what I mean? Like if she had, if she was picking a partner that you would want her to be with somebody who, who they exactly the same, but one makes more money, one makes less money. You want her to be with the person who makes more money. Right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking like that's meant, that's tripping me up. Cause I'm saying like, that's kind of messed up. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking like, man, if I had a daughter and she's 25 and wants to marry somebody, I don't want her to marry somebody who, whose ceiling is too low. Like, if I it, mean, like at, what, at what point oh. is it like, like a, like a, you want to build the, the family, the foundation? And at what point is it kind of just being like super money focused? I guess my question is, is the height of the ceiling only measured by the pocketbook, though? You know what I'm saying? So, again, it goes back to your bank account. Like, is the height of the ceiling only measured by the bank account? Because if so, then, therefore, it goes back to my original statement, how a man is valued or his main value derives from how much money he makes. I, you know what I'm saying? Well, I go back to what Dre just said. Like, he said he think money is it's a, it's on a different scale. So, like... Somebody's a like if somebody's a very great person, the difference between being a very great person and a good person is not that strong. Somebody being a millionaire versus having, you know what I'm saying? Like having fifty thousand dollars a year is a huge gap. Like so That's, having like so it's just like the difference between great when it comes to finances and good can be so extreme versus like a person might be a great person, a good person. It's so small. You willing to deal with a good person with more money than you are dealing with a great person with less money. So I mean, it, so if we was going based off of your example, when you said if, if these are two of the exact same person, and one makes fifty thousand and one makes a million, well, of course, if if you get the same, then you might as well get the most for it, right? But 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 that's in that scenario because in reality, it doesn't work like that. So in reality, I believe the conversation will be if you have someone that's really paying attention to your needs and that can really be a good helper mate in the household and he made 50 opposed to a person that made a million, but he's not giving you a lot of attention, uh, a lot of attention, but he's giving you all the material, but he's not really respecting and value you the way the person making 50,000 would make. Well, of course, I'm going to tell her to go with the person that's going to respect you. Because you can still live a good lifestyle, but there'd be more of a helpmate at that point. There'd be an actual partner 
opposed to a sole provider. I respect that. I can respect that. What what's that? What's I I throw over that thing I could tell. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, nah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, ideally you want someone who encompasses all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nurturing to your spirit, your needs, uh, push you to be the greatest version of yourself, financially self-sufficient, and even a little bit more to where you can be a provider. Because innately, going back to gender roles, just in general, the man is supposed to be the provider, the woman the nurturer. I mean, that's just kind of how anatomy works and things like that. I ain't gonna get too caught up into all of this, you know. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pose that for this to be a discussion. But innately, I mean, that's generally how it works. And so a man is looked to provide a number of things. I mean, finance is one thing, but safety, love, uh, you know, caregiving, things of that. Like that's the, that's the role of a provider. Um, and when a person does that well on a multitude of things, then you know that could be looked at as a great man. The messed up thing about in our society is that again that scale is skewed way too much towards finances. So, like I said, a person could be a great person in a relationship, uh, a great father, a great this, a great that, you know, adjective and this. But if they don't have the financial cues to kind of back all of those great things they're doing, then their overall worth, as Nick says, goes down considerably because the the scale that you know we view somebody's success in general is often based on finances and not the complete, you know, version of that person. So, I mean, that's just how it's viewed and it's really up to the eyes of the beholder to figure out what type of stability do they want. Do they want the stability of a long, great, healthy relationship to where they feel fulfilled every day and may not have, you know, all the material things they want in the world, but they have all the intrinsic things they need to be great? Or do they want that lavish lifestyle, you know, trips, bookings, and all of that, and willing to compromise uh, some of those things innately that they soul, the spirit, desires, in a relationship. And more often than not, it's the latter. Like, people will want that materialism more than that intrinsic connection that you get. But if you got a broke, horrible person and a broke millionaire, you, you might as well be with a broke millionaire. Right, well, right, who's a horrible right, person. Might as well. I mean, you might as well be with a millionaire who's a horrible person rather than they're, you know, broke, horrible person. So. I mean, I I'm seeing it through like a like a a metal lens. Like I'm looking at it from my own perspective. I'm also looking at it from like, like you say, if I had a a daughter, what would I be like saying? And I would, I would probably just be like, don't settle for nothing. Like you can have both. Like you want you want financial stability and you want like all the good points of a person, but that posed the question of like well, Nick, even go back to Nick's question again like about value and knowing this I think everybody knows intrinsically like that okay she naturally wants a man with with with, with more to provide with or more resource to provide with how do you cope with that as a black man in America where there is no you free ticket the opportunity. Yeah, there's no free ticket so you you're going to get to that person and so then even so but one, that's one first question. How do you cope with that? And then second, do you think this should be dependent based on I don't I don't want to phrase this way, but I'm not gonna kind of phrase it, like the quality of a woman. So do you think like you see people who like not de- not to demand anybody, but somebody's on section A and they're like, My man gotta provide for me, like they they may be thinking about providing on a totally different level than somebody who's like, 
a PhD and she's like, oh, I need somebody. It's like, you know what I mean? Like their idea of what even their ceiling needs to be is totally different than somebody who's on section I think eight. it's, I think it's two things. the questions. I, I think those are, yeah, no, those, those are two good points. I think it's two things. One, it's like your core four again. So it ain't gonna be core four, but it's just your core ideologies and values of what you seek in a partner and in a relationship. So those are uh, mutual things. So a man needs to know what he's looking for in a woman and things that he won't compromise with and vice versa with the woman looking for a man. And if one of those things happens to be providing for you in a financial way and that's very high upon you know, a woman's scale, that she won't compromise with it. Like that's something that she wants or that she's looking for. If you aren't there, then you know, y'all are not equally yoked at that particular time and probably shouldn't be going forward in a relationship because it probably won't manifest how you want simply because your ideals and cores are on the line. Yeah. And the second thing is that how you value yourself as a man. Like, if you know you're going to get into a certain point and you're not at that financial peak that you see, that you see yourself in, but you're working diligently towards that, and you have a woman who's going to demean you for not being there yet, then you have to have the mm. confidence, steadfast in yourself in order to be persevering in that situation and be like, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? I know where I'm heading. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be straight in a minute. We probably just not, you know, we're not eye to eye in this time. I probably won't be even after I make that come up. But um, you just got to see where you at and have confidence in yourself to not only just justify your worth as a dollar figure that oftentimes America tries to give you or even society in general tries to give you. Like, your value is a dollar sign. It's not. And you have to have confidence in yourself to vibrate and manifest higher to get to your overall goals. And maybe it's not overall a financial success, but or was deemed as success, you know, in someone else's terms. But maybe you are a professor and you're doing your lifelong research and hope in African American studies and you're teaching the population on how to build within and you make a seventy thousand a year and you good, you know, your car paid off, you live in a nice place, you know, saying so you go to the gym regularly, like you're you're fine. You're internally and spiritually self sufficient. But someone may look at you as, you know, poor or not re reaching the financial success or success how they deem it uh, in their eyes um, from that standpoint you got to have confidence in yourself to say that I don't have to ascertain for more in that realm because I'm aspiring in different realms that's you know satisfy me and sustain me in a different way so I guess it's so individualized that you have to have confidence within a system that always tells you how to think and how to feel to remain uh, vigilant in your own journey Yeah, to kind of go off what Dre was saying, like that. I mean, there's always going to be somebody that has more than you. Uh, but you just have to have the confidence in yourself to know that, okay, just because they have more than me doesn't mean that I'm not successful. Like, your idea of success could be completely different from what their idea of success could be. So the things that you want out of life could be completely different from them. Doesn't mean you're not successful. It just means you have a different path in life. Um, and then as far as, <laughs> as far as like, uh, coping with the idea of a woman, um, I mean, if, if, if a woman sees you, like Dre was saying, you, you, you're making $70,000 a year and a woman is like, okay, that's, that's just not enough. Then that's just not for you. Uh, you, you have to know that there's other women there. Like there, there's women yeah. out there. Yeah. There's somebody out there for everybody. So you have to have the, 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 the strong will to know that, okay, that's, that's, that situation is just not for me. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do, continue my path that I know is successful, that I want to do in life, and somebody will come along. I'll find somebody.
like that. I like that. I like that. You made a hot line. He made a hot song, bro. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Dang, I love you, love boys, bro. Boys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He said, as Drake said, at least two or three times. I'm like, dang, you know what I'm saying? At least you're going to get a dime tomorrow or sprinkle or something. Oh, man. We'll, we'll get the round the horn buttons in here in a minute. Uh, don't it? You, you know what? I think uh, I, I think, I think everyone made great points. And like I said, I just wanted to pose a question to the group. Um, and I think I think it was better when I rephrased it. Um, when it comes to the tolerance of a woman, are women willing to tolerate men's BS more based off of his financial stability, what their bank account looks like, opposed to one who may be the everyday hard working blue collar, you know, making that fifty to seventy thousand a year. Right. Um and then I want to transition because you know I've been in like this real I'm always pro black, black as fuck, right? Shameless plug on that that's a good show on Netflix. Anyway, um so um you know, this week in the news, we've seen a lot of our brothers um, get gunned down again, right? And we always see it. Um, but this time, when it happened back in February 23rd in Georgia, um, to our good brother, uh, Ahmad Auburn, um, yeah. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, um, he was hunted. So he wasn't gunned down, he was hunted by two white men. Right, flat out hunting and murder. Um, what was y'all feelings when y'all saw that? Oh uh, man, I mean, I seen the, I seen the. My first, my first thing was, why did it take so long? Like usually, when something happens, you know, like having a media background, like stories usually pick up or they don't. You know what I mean? Like, and it was like what was the i don't even still don't even know what the stimulus was behind like how the story managed to get legs so late and it was really like their own recklessness that got the video the video that the, they recorded of the murder is what gave the story legs and it's like if they hadn't produced that themselves you know what i'm saying like that was a self-produced video if that wasn't produced themselves then which I don't even know how that surfaced. You have to bring in that question, like, why does it even get published? Why? You know what I mean? But if that didn't even come out, it would have been it would have been dead. The story would have been dead. And nothing would have happened. So like, that was my first kind of thinking, like, bro, how did this cause the story don't get legs like that from, from three months ago? It would have been had legs. Like when Mike Brown's situation happened in St. Louis, where it was that day, it was it was growing, it was growing and growing and people were seeing it. So it was like this is crazy that we don't know how many people stories are dead because there is no evidence of it. You know what I mean? Like nobody was there to, to photograph or video it. Nobody produced a video or photo or was there to witness it. So their story is just dead. And so I, that's my brain went to like how many stories aren't told. Not even, not even, not reported, but just not even told at all. Like we don't even know that person's name missing, but he not missing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of where I went with it because stories just don't pop up like that in there. Uh, it's definitely like another example, like I said, of a white vigilante taking they marriage their own hand with a police officer or non-police officer, whatever the case may be, and just deciding to to just take life. Like, it's, it's 
not gonna say I'm numb to it, but it's kind of a no, you can desensitize to it because it's, it's such enough. a recurring thing. Yeah, yeah, it happens yeah. every day. Like it's it's a literally what what was the style? I think it's like every 25, 26 hours, a black man is killed by a white vigilante or a police officer. But like it's a it's a daily occurrence, and we it's just don't normalize it. It's yeah. normalized behavior because yeah. it happens every day, bro. And I'm, I'm right there with you, bro. Like I'm I'm of the mindset now. To where, like, first, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, the only reason this occurred because the dude in the back, who should have been an accessory to murder, by the way, um, because he videotaped the whole thing with no you know, attempt to kind of stop this or anything like that. Uh, and luckily, they got the footage of this man getting gunned down, literally fighting for his life seconds before he died, which is crazy anyway, for taking a jog during quarantine. It's just sick. But, like, I'm on the mindset of, like, I'm, I'm tired of hashtags. Uh, like I think they had the, the the two mile run for this brother and members of them. It's like man, and like we we are so gung ho on trying to get the people indicted. Yes, they should be indicted. They should be incarcerated. And you know I'm of the mindset that I for an eye. So whatever happens to them, you know, good riddance. Because you know you had no right to do what you did and take any kind of the law into your own hands. But as we you know dig deeper into it, we know they had. Um, you know, some type of, you know, law enforcement background. I believe the father did in a former, you know, I think consultant to the DA. So investigator. he was a former, former DA. Investigator. Yeah, investigator or something yeah. like that. So he has ties, which is probably why they were able to sweep this under the rug. But it just speaks to the grander problem of you can literally kill a black man and get no away consequences. with it. Like, there's no consequence for doing so. And we will always demonize the black man, even if he's doing <clears> absolutely <throat> nothing wrong. And the thing is, like, if the video didn't surface, there would be no repercussions. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, like, if, there, if enough people didn't notice, there would be no repercussions for this action. And the fact that they're incarcerated now is not a win. And I don't feel elated for them being incarcerated. But, simply because it just speaks to a corrupt system. Like, that whole police department should be expunged, should be removed. Like, they should not be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had, you know, someone who did the police report, you had the DA, you had an investigator, you had all of them who failed to do this man any type of justice. There's no reason they should be done now. Um, or that they still have a job. You know what I'm saying? It just speaks to a much more corrupt system in its roots and it's systemic. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's nothing that locking up two people will do, you know what I'm saying? That that kind of brings this man's life back. You know what I'm saying? Like locking these two people up, like if we locking people up, it needs to be at least twenty or thirty people locked up. Everyone man. who viewed this case had any type of opinion should have been locked up. And second, we can't look to a system that was not made for us and continues to fail us, George Zimmerman, Tamir Rice, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it continues to fail us, Sandra Blunt. continues to fail us time and time again in order to be our savior. What type of sense does that make? You know what I'm saying? That's like a dog getting abused by its owner and then hoping if he keeps licking his hand one day that the owner going to stop hitting him. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Doing the same thing over and over is insanity. Like, we have to protect us. We have to view our lives as something more precious than anything. And we have to have a knit in our community to where we're ready to defend each other, brothers, sisters, children alike, by any means necessary. By any means necessary. Because we can't keep looking to the law to save us when they're the ones killing us. And so then the ones covering up as well. So you so, you already under the assumption that they're not going to get convicted. I'm not even saying, I don't, I mean, honestly, I ain't going to say I don't care. No, I'm saying, do you? Th- I'm saying, do you, like, do you think they will be? He has to. He has to. I don't, a, I don't a, know. He has to be a gambling man. Like, would you? Exactly. You, 
exactly. Like, like I just have no confidence in in this system to provide any type of justice. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. because it wasn't even going to be a thing until we made it a thing. You know what I'm saying? They only felt the pressure. And we, yeah, and we only you know what I'm saying. We only the only reason that this is an action is because we made it an action. Like it's no justice. There's no moral guideline or value that came yeah. with this situation. It just gets uglier and messier the more that you look into it. And it makes you completely lose faith. And these people are supposed to be protecting you. And honestly, I have very little to begin with. So it's honestly on us to protect us. That's the only way to look at it. Because you can't keep looking to, you know, a justice system that, you know, incarcerates, you know, black men at 70% higher rate than any other ethnicity in this country. Although we only make up 13%. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's systemically put in place to keep us in a disenfranchised state. And yet we look to them to be our saviors at all times. And I think it's a form of insanity. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so for me, man, when I first when I first heard the story, man, when it broke, my first, you know, thing I researched is, well, when did this happen? And uh, to Dre's point, the fact that it took so long for justice, some form of justice to begin, you know what I'm saying, this due diligence process is alarming to me. You know what I mean? Like, we always say, like, the system is rigged, the system is against us, right? Um, but I believe this situation really kind of spills and kind of really shows America and where we really are. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we talking February 23rd, and here we are in May, damn near mid-May. And if it wasn't before the pressure, you know what I mean? Nothing would have happened. So now I'm looking at it from a standpoint, do I believe justice will be served if I was a bed man? And if I had to look at it from a historical standpoint, I would say no. You know what I mean? I would, I, I, would, I, I, I would say no. And, I, and you almost have to mentally prep for them to get off so you're not extremely disappointed when it actually happens. You know what I mean? It's like you yeah. don't want to put too much hope and faith into it. And again, to Dre's point, um, is that everyone, everyone that was involved in the case prior to a couple of days ago needs to lose their fucking job because they had ample amount of uh, opportunity as well as evidence to go ahead and lock these two mothers up and begin the due diligence process. They had an ample amount of time and they did not exercise their lawful duties and responsibilities to the American people as well as to his family to do the right thing and to serve justice. So it is for those reasons why I feel like in this trial, not only do the murderers need to be attacked, but everyone that was involved in that situation prior to it making it hitting social media needs to be attacked as well and lose their fucking license and lose their job. Yeah, I saw I saw a quote that said they didn't get locked up because they saw the tape. They got locked up because we saw the tape. We saw the tape. Right? <laughs> it's like that's crazy. Like yeah, I saw this and was like, okay, we just gonna nobody nobody else seen this tape, so we good. Yeah. No telling how it resurfaced. Like I said, the universe works in mysterious ways, but and and bro and bro and what's so sad is it was fighting, not to, not to cut y'all beating, but it was premeditated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you have to come yeah. up with a game plan. Like you have to have a nigga driving in the car. To turn around to record the situation, Man. the altercation. You know what I mean? Like, like, so you had your truck placed in front of his running route. All right? y'all strapped. You had one person behind him. Everybody strapped, bro. He was fucking hunted, G. 
Come on, that could dog. be that could be that could literally be anybody, man. That's this is anybody going for a bro, run. Bro, me, Dre, and Will, bro, we want we we run almost every fucking day. Do we not? Yeah. Bro, like 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 that is a normal activity where you minding your business, and a lot of people run or exercise to work out so they can go into their safe space. So imagine you doing something so you can get your get your mind off of the corona or finances, and you go into your safe place and get disturbed, get attacked. Imagine that. Bro, this so fucked up. Man, yeah, not only attacked, but killed. Like, you have a gang. You had a, you had a lynch mob, essentially. You had three white men with rifles yelling at you to stop. Like, what man is going to stop? We got three people with rifles telling you to stop that you ain't never seen before in your life. So, of course, you're going to run fast and try to get away from these men. Then they get out and try to attack you. What choice do you have but to defend yourself? Was you supposed and to get you're not a cop. And, and they not right. a cop. You feel me? You, I was like, I asked you, oh, sir, why do you have a rifle to my face? Let's work this out. Oh, I'm not a burglar. Oh, man, you you prepare for your life. It's fight or flight. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, you're going to try to defend yourself in the situation. And they shot this man in cold blood in broad day and nothing happened. Broad day. Two to three months. Nothing happened. And the thing, somebody had to, somebody had to see this too. That's the thing. Like, you didn't have no wit. Like, so, this is how somebody to my house. Somebody had to see here's the altercation. So it's like everybody just had to like, okay, the whole town has cover up. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the whole town. That's a mass cover up. It, it just speaks to it speaks to how vile and like sinister whiteness can be. Like. A whole a whole town was complicit, bro. Like, there is no way that the people on that street didn't hear that going. On. Like, you, I heard shots, but I never somebody shot in front of my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody shot in front of your house. You see these cars, you see these trucks. The body had to get picked up at some point. The, you know what I'm saying? Like, all these things are happening, and right. everybody wrapped put under the rug until we found right. out. And just, and just imagine this real quick, man. And I, and I kind of, I ain't going to say I'll wrap up with that, but I just say my close of favorites with that. Just imagine the inverse of three black men facing a white man or a white woman, even worse, in broad daylight with pistols and killing her. Imagine going two to three months without hearing that. You couldn't go yeah. two to three seconds without hearing that. Come on now. CNN, he locked up that same day. They under the prison. They under the prison. Come on now. Like all three of them too. The person we're recording too. Like yeah. I said, it ain't, it ain't two people getting locked up. It's three people, and they, they like two up. people up who, who standing by. Exactly. You too. They won't smoke, and it, it and it'd be crazy if them men make it back to the police station unharmed. Man. If they if they killed a white man or a white woman in, in such a ruthless fashion as what just happened. And you and know what? I think. No, no, you. Can. I was gonna say, man. I, I think, I think the solution now, man. We ain't got no more time to pray the situation away. You know, we 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 ain't got no more time to. You know, I think I think marching is good for a visual standpoint, but gee, like I'm almost Dre, almost like what you said, bro. Like it's almost like an eye for an eye at this point. Like that's the only way we can protect ourselves and really govern our communities. Like I don't know if we need fucking watchmen in certain black neighborhoods, like overseas, like I don't know what that process looks like, bro, but like the fact that we can just get hunted and gunned down and nothing happens, like nothing happens, bro, it almost gotta be an off one out at this point. It's such a, it's such a massive problem. Like, 
like like I said, Martian, it, it has its place, I guess. Like it has its, it's it's done its thing historically, but we're at a point where it's 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 not going away. It's not like we can we can just like I said we can't pray it away, we can't hope it away, we can't wish it away, we can't be non-threatening enough like do with jogging. So it's like, but we also can't. It's also impossible to overcompensate for tragedy too. So I feel like in these times, often what happens is I'm making a post now. In the evening, I I didn't feel like it was the right time to make the post, but I feel like. Black people are very good for mobilizing and gathering when it's emotional. And I think that's one of our detriments. It's one of our benefits, but it's one of our detriments. Because when we're emotionally responsive, we don't have time to think systemically or think long-term enough. So we start reacting. And not to say this is a distraction, or anything like that, but I know what kind of place it puts people in to think about death and tragedy constantly, you know what I'm saying? Like for the next month or so, it's gonna be millions more black people thinking about death and tragedy than there were, you know what I'm saying, prior. So like from a frequency standpoint, that puts us in a lower state. And when you're in that lower state, you can't, like say you, you're in fight or flight mode mentally. So you can't even think systemically. You can't even think. You're just responding emotionally. That's why we have like protests are ha- happening a lot of times. People just want to vocalize their expression. They just like they feel bottled up. They just want to let something out, and it's really hard to build in that way. But by the time those emotions subside, we're no longer emotionally attached to the situation. So we're not even some not not all people, but the mass majority of people are not invested enough to to like okay let's start thinking logically about this thing because it passed maybe they got locked up maybe they get charged maybe they don't but then it's like the emotions of it is gone so now i'm just like on to the next thing that i'm mostly attached to and i think we're just constantly emotionally reacting emotionally reacting i feel like the blueprints are so are already kind of in place but it takes so much change on a personal level to even be able to grow out to that, like, you know what I mean? Because to have a real community where community protects each other, you have to have people who are invested into that community. It's like an organization. And when the organization isn't fully logically and emotionally invested, it, it's disbanded. Like you see that with, like Malcolm X had organizations. When he died, the organization didn't last because like the people were like, they were just following the weight that he brought to the table, you know what I mean? So it was like, I, and I think now we we still look for that black leader to kind of follow behind, but I feel like a, not enough of us individually have invested ourselves into the change. And I feel like that's a big factor of why we haven't created some kind of systemic thing that can protect us from the normalcies of it outside of tragedy, because I don't think you can there are things you can do that's preventative, and but I mean, tragedy is tragedy, right? Like this brother lost his life, and we can go off or not. But where is the organization that's going to do that? Where is the people who are invested in that to do that? That are actually, you know, 
invested in it, time, energy, money, whatever, into that solution. I just feel like this is always a, the roughest time after a tragedy because so many people, you're trying to cope with so many different things. Like you're coping with capitalism, mm-hmm. coping with the justice system, you're coping with your own life, right. you're coping with somebody you may know who passed, do something unjust. You you coping with the mm-hmm. fact that man, Mike Brown did this, Tamir Rice did this, Sandra Bland. Did. You're like, bro, now you feeling now your brain, the chemicals in your brain right. are going into that fight or flight, and now you're thinking like, man, right, right. I'm 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 more likely to die than beat this thing because I have too many examples of losing this fight. Maybe not me personally, but I resonate with losing because I see it over and over again, and I feel like. It, it's it's a it's a tough thing like it's a really tough thing but i feel like we have to like you have to you have to have your, your moment of grief for your own mental health sake but then you have to once the once the emotions of it subside you have to then go into a logical framework where you say okay what what can i do within maybe my own household and that's how you just start building out slowly and then you 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 start getting that communal effort, but that's that process is so much long term that it doesn't give us that quick fix, you know what I'm saying, that that we get from a protest from just vocalizing. We need that that venting, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like I just need to say my piece, but we also need the long term too, where it's like strategy, um, organization, and a more of a five year, ten year, twenty five year plan that I feel like sometimes gets left behind because it's it's harder to do that and it takes a more effort but that's what i see over over the course of death after death after death like what happens after it's emotion and then it subsides and some people from that group are going to start doing things but it still takes every single individual to buy into it. blackness means i gotta protect it shout out to the squeaky door you know what i mean like we all have to protect what blackness is and but this like Dre said like this system is not gonna do it for us. Like it's never gonna do it for us. We can't even it'll be it will be insane to think that Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anybody anybody could vote for is gonna change the the mental conditions that we're living in to, to even get to a point where we get the solutions possible to change the material conditions. And I think that's where we lost it because emotionally we want to change. I think mentally we're still very much in bondage. I think spiritually we're in bondage, psychologically we're in bondage. And when you were in bondage mentally, it's impossible to deal with your, your actual physical bondage. We're still in physical bondage technically. Like I, or we, we have to work. We have to go do this. If a white police officer says stop, you know what I'm saying? We can't knuckle up and like square up. You know what I'm saying? Like we we have to, we just not forced to do it every single day, but if the time came, we we ha- we are coerced under the law that doesn't protect us. And that's a hell of a situation to be in as a black man. Like at any given moment, a white man could just do what he wants to do and possibly get away with it with no consequences, no repercussions. Now I'm supposed to cope with that while also building solution for it. Like that's crazy. You want me to you want me to fix my own prison. You know what I mean? Like I gotta I gotta break myself out of my own jail that you put me in. It's like, man, you in jail, mm. man, get out of that jail cell. Build yourself a key. Mm. Like, I don't even know what the lock is. Mm. Right. I didn't even put myself here. You put me here and now you mad at me for being locked in this cage while you're and then while your other people your other peers who say they're not racist, 
they don't even see the cage at all. Like, I don't understand the problem. Bro, that's something I want to touch on, too. Like, I, I Nick, Nick posted this as well. He's talking about, like, hey, be conscious of the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's of the world who not posting, who not as active. And I understand that their audience isn't meant for, you know, activists or but there's something like a yeah, it's a human aspect that you gotta have your white counterparts have. Like people you associate mm-hmm. with who just cool with just kinda, you know, being cool with a black friend, but when it gets to black ideology and things of like that, uh, sound, you have to see that. And not even just white people, but just black people too. Like these celebrities you try to follow and these people that y'all follow each day and got all this content. If they just fall silent when our people are dying, like mm. how, why are you following them? You know what I'm saying? Like, is yeah, it just for mind numbing contact? Yeah, yeah, it was just. I check Gary V page. Yeah, no, I check. I know. I check. And he, and he loved. He loved interviewing rappers when it's convenient for him. Exactly. When he, 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 he loved it. Off the black he community. loved the rappers. But they hate black issues, and I'm saying that's like I'm like Nick made a very good point with that, and I wanted to address that. I know Nick wanted to expand on that as well, but also because yeah. of the other celebrities that y'all following as well, who aren't you know active, they they quick to give you this link or this uh, tummy tea or some whatever they trying to sell or Man. whatever you know gossip or stupid lives they don't have people twerking and pouring milk on each other, like. Yeah, if you have yourself receptive to that mind number content over and over, mm-hmm. when something serious mm-hmm. happens and they fall silent, you need to be conscious of that as well. That they are not mm-hmm. for you; they're part of the machine. You know what I'm saying? They're part of the machine of getting more money or getting more views. Or they don't want to ruffle the feathers of the powers that be. They're not for your community or for you in general. So if you were to pass in the same fashion, you wouldn't get that same type of love or admiration simply because they're not for you. So be conscious of that as well while you're consuming content. Man, I'm looking at all these entertainers who was talking during quarantine. I'm looking at all of them. Rappers, mm-hmm. business people. I'm looking at all these pages, bro. A lot of people haven't even like when LeBron James can post something, bro. You're not you're not bigger than LeBron James. You can post something. Like I don't even the, want you to well, do well, you know what though. Pressure. But yeah, but, but I'm saying I'm saying if I if the person who has probably the biggest celebrity as far as like the black community is concerned, like you got yeah, to go like Barack Obama to get like bigger celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, like if they can post it, you can afford to post it. So it's not even the fact, like you said, it's not even the fact that you scared to post it. They just not for it. And I think what you said is a super important because people, that distinction alone will help people start being able to see between the weeds. Like, okay, wait a minute. There are people who are for this and there are people who are not for this. I need to, that's the first step I feel like. If you can figure out who's not for this, then you can start seeing why they post the things they post, why they say the things they say, why they do the things they do. And people who are for it, they may be in similar fields. They most they may post similar content, but you can see the nuances and why they say certain things versus other things. You're like, okay, wait a minute, I get what they're saying here. That they try and like you can just see the difference. And I'm I don't think a lot of people, a lot of our people especially see the difference especially when it comes to which is sad but most of our entertainers are the people that people look up to inherently not on purpose but it's just like they're the people they see with success quote unquote so it's like whatever they do and if those people are not for black people and they're they're the black people you're following then you're going to end up falling into the trap of what's well, don't matter anyway like y'all you know what why y'all bringing that up in a sense, and, and, and I agree with all that. The only part I disagree with is when you said that they're not afraid; they're just not for it. And I believe that you have—I I believe you have a little bit—you have a little bit of both. And I believe majority 
a lot of these celebrities are afraid because it's going to affect their bag, their brand, especially when you're dealing with the celebrities that are those mega super commercial celebrities who are that their their main primary fan base are white kids, right, or white people. So therefore, if they begin to talk about a pro-black issue, they're afraid it's going to affect their bag, their revenue, their concert sales, their live streams, whatever, their, their, their ability to promote the herbal teas on social media and stuff like that. So I believe that they are afraid. So you almost have to take a step back and ask yourself, like, again, be like, like, like what you said, who are our leaders and why are we look, looking up to these people, right? Like we have entertainers and then we have leaders. And I, I believe you only have a few entertainers that are truly leaders. Mm. Every entertainer is not a leader. So we have to, we have to be responsible enough as consumers, people that's consuming this information to be able to properly um, identify who's a leader and who's an entertainer. So, so it's a two-way street for the ones that only want to be entertainers. Well, that's fine. That's their choice. They have every right to only be entertainers, right? For the ones that want to be entertainer and leaders, okay, you know, praise God, we definitely going to leave y'all up. But any black person that's an entertainer or an athlete or a rapper, whatever, that is black, everyone should be touching bases on this issue because I guarantee you if the shoes was on the other foot, you would see all your super celebrity, white celebrities mm-hmm. posting. If Ahmad and one of his homeboys had a, had a <laughs> uh, wrangled up one of these white people on the street when they was jogging. Bruh, better yet, the Netflix special, uh, 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 Central Five. Was it Central Five? Huh? It's when they see us. But yeah, it's when they five. see us. Bruh, come on, dog. Do, do you see how everybody stepped up collectively as white folks to really push that agenda on these innocent five black men? But they went out their way to do so. Even Donald Trump at the time had his remarks. So, so, so they have the freedom and the liberty to do that. And they exercise that. We have, the, we have the same freedom and liberty. The issue is we putting our money before social justice issues. But then when, it ha- when something happens to you or when the fan comes at you in a comment, you want to make a post and you want to become the victim. But yet you don't want to ride for the real victims out here that's getting gunned down. Yeah, I got an issue with that. Sex. I mean, we've seen that even... What is it? What happened with Paris like, uh, like a few years ago? Around the same time, Ferguson and everything was the backlash from that was happening, and people were like pray for Paris. We seen all the white celebrities pray for Paris, right. pray for Paris. Like y'all don't see these black issues happening right now at the same time. Like y'all gonna buy, y'all gonna walk past these American black issues and go to some white Paris issues. That's crazy. Y'all went across <laughs> the whole ocean to talk about Paris and this black people getting gunned down in national media, and y'all just gonna sleep through that. It ain't. Oh. Bro, the thing is, it's not crazy. It's been here forever. It's just that we don't allow or expect more of ourselves to be even unplugged to see it. You know what I'm saying? This is like, well, you know, this is an entertainer. He raps, so all he's supposed to do is rap, and he ain't, you know, he ain't supposed to do this. Like, ASAP Rocky was saying, like, he ain't care about Mike Brown and all that until he went to jail. Then he had a revelation. Yeah, he like that. yeah, yeah. And, and, and now he, he gets the significance of it. Like, people are stupid. Like, I ain't stupid. They're intentionally. No, nah, they dumb too, but like intentionally vague and right. promoters to tell them to hey worry about your bag, you know, you got white friends too. Uh white people buy slaves. I mean, slave, I mean Rep- Republicans buy uh Jordans as well. Like all of these uh, ideologies. I, I hear you might you sacrifice. Yeah, no, nah, that's what I'm saying. Like all these ideologies 
like you sacrifice your morals for a bag. And I was reading, I mean, I was watching an interview today earlier, and like people have lost every bit of backbone they have for the dollar. Yep. They would do anything, and everyone has a price for the dollar. You lose yourself so, in the process of getting that dollar. So it's crazy. I want to ask a question because given the fact how we've chosen to keep the muzzle on for so long throughout years and generations when it comes to our uh, athletes and our entertainers, some of the things that we're going through now systematically are some of these self-inflicted wounds based off of the decisions that we chose not to make throughout the years? I mean... I think the biggest difference, because I think I was about this the other day, like, man, before, like what you said, entertainment leaders, we had way more entertainment leaders during those times, like the 60s, the 70s. Like, you've seen people who were black and they were proud to be black. And then, like, the 80s and 90s start happening, we start getting, the entertainment industry start getting bigger, so more money start being poured into it. And I think anytime you put an American capitalist system, any industry that has more money in, into it, you got to ask where that money's coming from and what's the influence of that money. And I feel like because it's one of my biggest issues with entertainment, I feel like because black people are a big, a huge part of the face of it, the big part of the culture, but very little part of the equity. Like the NFL shouldn't be owned by white people. The NBA shouldn't be owned by white people. The music industry shouldn't be owned by white people, but it is. And we constantly buy into systems that require us to not be our full self or even be potential to grow into somebody who is, you know what I mean? Like Colin Kaepernick can't get black ball in the league that's owned by black people for taking the knee. But it's 80% black people in the NFL. They don't make sense. You tell me these white men know more about football than Yahoo playing it? they just know more about ownership and and pillaging and giving you a percentage because they've been doing that forever and i think it's a it's a lebron james talked about this a lot he talked about equity for players and all that kind of stuff like but i do think it's it's bringing a highlight to not only as consumers but as people who are producers like we can get picked up by a white a white station. Like, oh, we like our podcast. We gotta start to talk about this. We get this much, much money. But I can't talk about this. Not that I can say this, but not that. If we decide to take that money from a company who, you know what I mean? Like we have now we're 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 obligated to do what the money tells us to do versus build our own platform and saying what we want to say. You know what I'm saying? I think people are just because there's so much money in it, people are willing to take that risk and they're not willing to build it out, even though it's doable. Like, if the NBA wanted to flip everything right now, they technically could. They got all the leverage. Like, but I just think it takes a lot of guts to do that. And it hasn't been done in in any industry, really. Like, any industry we own, bro, it's not done. Like, we talk about how much money we spend on, like, hair and grooming and skincare. Like, most of these industries aren't owned by us. Like... On a, on a wide scale. So I think we got to get into a idea of ownership to where we're not a slave, we're not slaves to white dollars. You know what I mean? We, we yeah. don't want to be slaves to white dollars. You know, I think it's two pronged as well. Like, I think it's one, gaining equity of the things 
in your community. Like, we need to get back to having a community rather than, like, a neighborhood, just a place you stay. But locally where you're at, the businesses that you shop with and the money that you invest and in turn reinvest in your community has to be going towards black dollars in order to accumulate wealth, equity, and opportunity for those within your uh, no, economic ecosystem. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and one. the second thing is, is the attraction from your wealth to the dollar. Like you have to have the utmost confidence and assimilate to your highest self in order to differentiate that this dollar is not add value. Rather, I add value to the dollar, meaning I can reinvest this, I can hold it, I can spend it, but whatever I do doesn't determine what it does. I mean, what I do determines what it does, not what it does determine what I do. I think once we like grasp that ideology, we gradually come back to your morals and values because people do things they hate every single day for money. Every single day for money. I know you need to survive. However, you have to detract the meaning or so much the worth of it um, shouldn't be so emphasized to the point where it detracts from the meaning of you or of yourself, if that makes sense. So you have to know know where to invest and you have to invest within yourself as well. I'm not saying don't play the game and play it well because once you start, you know, having that utmost confidence and respect for yourself, you'll learn how to gain equity shares and to reinvest in yourself and your community and overall play the game to your advantage to where you can bring people with you as you ascend within that system. But it's that two-pronged, I guess, attack in a sense in order to kind of get to that next level of detracting and not needing so much of these entertainment figures to provide you worth or guidance or clearance or anything like that because you know we we do at some point have to stop blaming everyone else for our own problems i mean we realize that there are systematic places and steps to keep us in certain places but there are also ways to combat that and to use the game to your advantage and to ignore that and just to sit down and be like well i'm defeated well you're defeated you know so you have to keep fighting even though that you know you know, the person ahead of you, a white person ahead of you, you know, you run the 100 meter dash and they already at meter 90 before you start, you know, before you take off. That, that, that's just what it is. That's life. So you still have to run. You still have to get to your destination. And we have to, you know, keep that fight as well, even though we know it's not fair. Like, we know it's not fair. We're going to continue to know it isn't fair. It doesn't mean you stop fighting. But, you, man, I'm going to be I'm real. Like- the only the, the only way to buy into your community, the only way to get equity is through capital. So if we know that systematically um, we are not, we don't have cap, capital, capital as accessible to us the way other races do, white folks, then how is it, can we even begin to gain equity or buy back the community? Now we question. can talk about a saving plan, right? Cool, you can turn around, you can save this and that, and it's gonna take, but bruh, realistically, when something is available on the market, where you have to be ready and you have to be prepared to buy it in that moment. And a lot of times when it comes to buying back uh, the block or when it comes to, uh, you know, even purchasing real estate and, you know, you got to go through different, um, maybe different uh, HOA organizations. Like a lot of times we won't even know if something is for sale. So we see individual rental properties for sale, individual residential properties for sale. And we can, we can try to buy those when it comes to, those major per, uh, purchases that's going to really um, determine the landscape of that particular community. When it comes to these developers, that's what we need. We need more developers. We need more people. We need to diversify our ecosystem as black people. 
And I've been saying this for years, bro. We can't continue to have black people going down the same fucking path. And there's nothing wrong with being a barber. There's nothing wrong with being a beautician. But, bro, you can only have so many of them within one ecosystem. We, we need more of a complete ecosystem. We need more bankers. We need more CEOs of banks. There's going to be black CEOs of banks. That's going to make sure that the policies and the procedures and the underwriting guidelines are going to favor marginalized people. That's what we need. So I agree. We can't make excuses. I'm all for that. We still got to run our race. I believe in that. But at some point, we still have to adjust the rules that, that, that right now we're being subjected to. Because right now it's insane. It's insane what everybody's trying to do. Doing the same thing over and over again. It's, it's fucking insanity. I see. I see both y'all points. I want to get to where we had a point, but I will. I wanted to throw, throw this in there because I had. I'm actually. I'm actually writing a book on this right now about. You said how do we how do we create that capital? And I believe our our material wealth is a is a ultimate representation of our perception of our spiritual potential. So I feel like that's like we're creating this show there's a ability for us to monetize the show if we wanted to, right? We can, we, can, we can try to monetize the show. That is pretty much taking capital out of thin air. You know what I mean? Like we're just creating money from an idea, but it was the belief in the idea to create it is what created the possibility for there to be a creation of capital. See what I'm saying? So I feel like because we talked about this episode back, I think because we're hyper-programmed to believe we're inferior, that we don't think there's anything within us that's worthy of creating. So we think anything that we can possibly do or create has to be in a certain lane, like Nick is saying, it has to be in this lane or this lane, otherwise it's not gonna be valued by society. And I think we have a lot of brilliant black minds who just haven't been told that hey man you can just you're here to create you're you're not just a consumer like we all have to consume it's an ecosystem like you said everything's an exchange process so i have to consume something that somebody creates but at some point we also have to create things for others to consume and i just think we're not on the we we, we create like it's like we create the foundation for others to capitalize off of so like i said the nfl we have all these athletes that are creating moments and you know it's entertainment value but somebody else is capitalizing off of it we have these people creating dances and culture but somebody else is capitalizing off, off of it so we're not even we're like we're like planting the seeds watering them and then when it's time to harvest them we walk away and then we buy what we what we planted and i think we're in a cycle of and that's how you keep poverty going like i said it's the same thing you look at economics where we're built the demand for somebody Let's say, let's say, for example, somebody sets up a uh, a food stand. It's, it could be any other ethnicity other than Black people, and we know that there needs to be a restaurant in this community. But somebody else did it, and now we're we're spending money eating there when somebody else could be making money eating that same place. And we also, because of that inferiority complex, we also undermine other Black creations as inferior, where they may be in their beginning start, so they can't com- compare to you know maybe a Chick-fil-A because they're just getting started. They have so many things to learn. But I think it's just when we start realizing that we have the potential to create, 
new things, new ideas, new products, new services. We can get into new ecosystems, learn new things that we haven't already. You don't have to do basketball or rap or barbershop or a beautician. You don't have to be in that those industries to be successful and you can create outside of that scope. You can get into science, you can get into math, you can get into engineering, you can get into real estate, you can get into construction, you can get into so many different things, so many different avenues, and you can begin creating and then you also need to have that culture of I'm still like I remember where I come from. I'm still black. So I'm doing this and I'm doing this to be a motivation to other black people, not to stunt on them. As we see a lot of people who make a lot of money end up stunting on on their own consumers. <laughs> like they get on, like I got this thousand dollar bag mm. that you bought from a European company that don't care that won't that has not reposted. Uh, about Ahmad has not reposted about Shine has not posted about Tamir Rice, and y'all flashing all this Gucci and Louis, but those companies don't care anything about you. They will, those owners of those companies will never, they don't even want to have y'all wearing their clothes. They take your money, but they don't really want you. They don't want you. And I think we need to, something has to be a switch where we stop looking for these outside things that are especially things that are owned and operated by Europeans to be signals of status validation. Like, okay, I got this Gucci or I got this Mercedes or I got like, you, you, you got all these European cars, you got all these European clothes, you got all this, you know what I'm saying? You got all this European stuff and you think it makes you valid. And in the, in the end you lose all of who you are because you buy all this stuff to prove that, to prove what, to who, and I just think we have we it's so much emptiness that's in the black community. And I think it's hard because you can't systemically pour into people. You know what I mean? We have it's what leaders are supposed to be for, right? We're supposed to pour, motivate our people, and give us hope that we can create and do different things. But for so many, it's also many people who are also just not on that wave yet. You know what I'm saying? Like some people who there are some people who like to be destructive and like if you go through some comment sections of things you will see just as many of us attacking the situation then you know what i'm saying being productive towards it and it's like you, you're going against the grain both ways and it just takes a group of people every single generation i feel like to just set another standard like okay we can do this like yeah we prove we can play basketball and rap like that's great we we, we, we can do that but what about, like I said, Nick, what about, okay, these are some black developers. These are black people in real estate. These are black people who are in, you know, neuroscience and all these different things. These are people who give back to the community. And because, like I said, it's got to be long term. It, it may be a hundred year plan to like really flip the tide. I think people got to be committed to how long it could take. Like it's not going to be a five year fix. It ain't going to be the next presidential yep. candidate who fixes everything. It's going to be a hundred years but to turn over how big this boat is and we got to just be dedicated. I think the people who are on it, I mean, like I said, we all on our individual mission and it's just like, okay, I'm gonna be on my mission, but I got to remember that we got to play Avengers at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to play Avengers because they didn't, nobody could beat the boss by themselves. And that's what I think we need to get to like, I'm on my, I gotta do myself. I gotta get good on my own. I gotta be a superhero in my own right. But at the end of the day, I gotta go team up with the Avengers so we can handle the situation. 
and I can tell other people, we can start training other Avengers. You know what I'm saying? We got to get on that wave. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. It's going to take up so many of us for a long period of time, training other people, getting us into this mindset, and then also creating in that economic sense that not just a capitalist base, but capitalizing off our own talent to where we can reinvest into our own communities, in our own households, in our own abilities, that we just keep strengthening, keep strengthening. And I, I feel like throughout that process, things start improving. And I think that's just the next stage that we're at right now. Like, I don't think there's, how many, how many more new laws can you create, bro? That's gonna fix somebody from murdering somebody from jogging. You, there's no law you can make for that. It's murder, that's the, that's the law. <laughs> like, the, it's against the law to murder somebody. That's the law, it's on the books. You know what I mean? So I did want to hit, hit Will point. I know Will wanted to say something. Oh, no, what I was going to say is, and this will kind of like tie everything together from like my standpoint, but I feel like as a people, we've become very docile. Like as a people, we've become docile to the idea that they show you these entertainers, the glitz, the glam, the fame, athletes, and they dangle that in front of your face. Like, okay, this, this is what you could be. This is the only way for you to do it. But we don't see the, like Nick was saying, the, the other avenues to actually make change. So until we until we start to explore those other avenues and to actually want to organize and do something, like this is gonna to continue to happen. Like situations like this, they spark conversations like this and then months go by, everybody goes back to regular scheduled program. And then the situation happens again, same process. It happens again, and it keeps repeating itself until we, until we get out of that, that mindset of being docile and actually put some put forth some type of effort to actually come up with a solution, whatever it looks like, or organization, or come together in some united front to actually come up with a solution for the things that are happening. It's going to continue to to repeat itself. Nick, you, hey, Drake, you, you want to you close with it? No, man. I mean, I pretty much echo your sentiments, man. Like I said, it's, it's a very lengthy and structured, you know, way on how we rebuild our community, our sense of self, our sense of unity and things like that. It's intentionality. It's that ripple effect of starting at home and then extending outward. It's showing love instead of hate. And it's a lot of reconditioning on, you know, a lot of things that have kind of been you know, implemented us at a young age to hate one another, to mug one another, to not view each other as kings and queens and see value in life and see value in not even just the business sector of banking and CEOs, but also appreciation of arts, you know, and those young minds who, you know, want to aspire to be something where they're told they can't do that and, you know, vice versa. So, like I said, man, it's just an intentionality form that we got to come with. But like I said, let's just pray for, you know, uh, Amai, you know, and his families uh, and those affected. Let's mobilize in the ways that we can. Let's restructure our minds to be conscious of the content that we bring in, be conscious of the leaders and the entertainers that we allow in our subconsciousness, and also just to uplift one another in day-to-day -day activities and conversations, man, because, you know, it, it starts inwardly, you know, and then um, exudes. Like, you feel you feel the energy of a person, of a person who's aspiring to be better or on their journey of enlightenment or those working towards those goals they're trying to get um, and then exuding their confidence as well. And sisters, 
rock with some broke brothers uh, sometimes. You know what I'm saying? They might be broke financially. They might be rich in mind. You feel me? It's <laughs> a real tough. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Just kind of expand, you know, grow, elevate. You know, that's my mantra at all times. So, yeah, I know what it is, man. It's the CEO, CFO, signing out of Against the Grain, man. Appreciate my lesson there, host co-hosts, you know wow. what I'm saying? I ain't even call them co-hosts. Wow. My supporters, my members, you know what I'm saying, who I haven't paid and I won't pay. You know what I'm saying? Call me Don King of this, baby. I'm getting all the confidence they redistributed. <laughs> <laughs> I we about back. to jump his ass. <laughs> it's a love, man. You know what it is. Against the grain, man. We out. Against the grain. Yo. Once again, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Against the Grain Podcast. Make sure you follow us on all social media at ATGPod3. Also, make sure you like and subscribe, leave some comments so that we can interact with you on the next week's episode. And make sure you tell your mama, your mama's mama, and your mama's mama's mama. And you better not forget your daddy's side. And there it is, ATG. We out. Get it. Yeah.